Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Do Movies Badly, a podcast exploration of my cinematic ignorance. I am your host, Jim Rohner, and despite being an amateur film critic since 2006, I am woefully ignorant of many films filmmakers and genres that consensus has deemed important and thus i've created this podcast to document my journey into cinematic edification this month i'm exploring the films of harold lloyd as recommended by tyler smith and in this week's episode i'll be talking about the 1923 film safety last which i have just pronounced as though you were supposed to pronounce the exclamation mark at the end once again i think this is going to be a a relatively short episode similar to my episode on girl shy last week um, which, if you recall, was only about 20, 25 minutes long. Um, this one's going to be probably about as short, um, which has a, a little bit to do with the fact that Safety Last is a, a shorter film than Girl Shy, clocking in, I believe, about an hour and seven minutes. So um, I believe these days uh, quantifies as a short film. Um, but also, I just, you know, <laughs> as though I haven't emphasized it enough over the past, you know, three years of doing this podcast, um, I'm... I'm uh, ignorant there are blind spots in my my knowledge my expertise uh, and so when I kind of step outside of the things that I'm sort of used to talking about uh, I find that I kind of have a shortage of things to say so um, this is something that I, I I don't recall if I really struggle with Charlie Chaplin but certainly with Harold Lloyd I, I'm, I'm finding that my notes are not as 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 robust as um, you know a more contemporary feature-length film of you know from you know, even the 80s and, you know, clocking in at 90 minutes or, or two hours long. I, I, I don't know if I have as much to say. And um, I feel a little uh, bad sort of chalking that up to, um, you know, well, you know, I can't necessarily talk about the cinematography because it's so simple or I can't talk necessarily talk about the editing because um, that's such a, a simple thing in, in a, a silent film from 1923 as well. And, and hiding behind that kind of makes me feel like a, a little bit, insecure as though I should be able to work around those things or find something that I can talk about but I do have to admit that um you know with a you know the schedule that I kind of have you know I can only really watch the film uh once and kind of have to then uh write up my notes based on first impressions and kind of get the episode out to you as soon as I possibly can and so a lot of times there are some things that are overlooked or some things that just don't resonate with me um, as they would if I was able to spend more time with it or, or revisit it. So um, this one's going to be a short episode uh, just because putting my, all my cards on the table, I, I just, I, I don't, um, I, I don't have as much to say when it comes to something like um, Safety Last because, um, not just because of how it's already sort of ingrained in the cultural lexicon, and I'll certainly get into that in a little bit, but also just, um, you know, when, when, when you don't have a Guillermo Navarro, um, shooting your movie, or you don't have a Thelma Schoomaker editing it. I, I'm there. There are a little bit less, uh, or a little bit fewer elements, I should say, that I can really feel like I can sink my teeth into. And that's not uh, to sell this film short at all. That's that's not saying anything about Harold Lloyd, and it's saying everything entirely about me, basically. But I do have some things to talk about, so I might as well stop wasting your time and actually get to talking about them. Which is to say that. Um, you recall last week I described Girl Shy as, as a delightful film, and, and I, I think I'd say that Safety Last is, is more than that. Safety Last is, is quite a great film, actually. Um, in even less time, it still manages to do basically the same thing that Girl Shy does in regards to establishing its characters, establishing what's at stake, and kind of 
progressing the film forward in such a way as with uh, in every scene something happens which doesn't allow the film to go back there is no waste of uh <laughs> i was about to say dialogue there's no real but there's no waste of um scenes basically um and we we kind of get a really clear sense of who the the characters are and, and admittedly there's not too many main characters who really have um the credited boy character played by harold lloyd <laughs> but then if you actually see uh, his paycheck in the film he is also the, the check is made out to harold lloyd um, we get a great deal of, of information about who he is and what he wants, and clearly he, he wants this loving relationship to, to work out. He, he, loves this, um, he loves this girl, and he wants to, to marry her. Uh, Mildred is the girl's name, also <laughs> um, uh, played by Mildred Davis, so he wasn't um, uh, getting too far um, into the, to, uh, the unknown territory of um, naming his characters. Um, so he, he loves her and he, he wants to prove himself to her. He has a lot of the same struggles in, in this film as he did in Girl Shy, which I suppose since chronologically this one came first, I should say the, there's the same struggles in, in this film that we will then see uh, not perfected, but certainly tweaked and improved in Girl Shy. Um, because my biggest uh, criticism about this one, which Girl Shy did better, was that I don't really have a sense of who the Mildred character is. And, and that's, um, that is a shortcoming of the film because, um, I can't blame that on something like dialogue or I, I can't blame that on, on, um, some type of, uh, more modern convention, uh, conventional film, uh, archetype because, uh, I had a perfect sense of who both characters were in, um, Girl Shy. I knew, I knew what they both wanted. I knew it was at stake for not just Harold's character, but also for, for the, the, um, and I'm, I'm blanking on her name, but the, the woman uh, lead as well. I, I knew what they both wanted. I saw them both go through an arc, and I saw them both kind of um, start the film one way and end up another way. And in this one, uh, Mildred is just kind of a, 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 not even really a concept. She's just kind of um, a, a, uh, uh, a, a vessel to kind of get Harold to um, basically scale this building i mean it's uh i i i won't say that the film is one big gimmick but certainly there is a build-up to this um this fantastic feat in which harold lloyd um scales and i'm using air quotes and i, I don't know why because you're not able to see them but scales the side of this building and, and once again the air quotes i'll get to those uh in a little bit uh later but um but even, you know, in order to get up to that point, we have to be invested in why he is going to be doing that. We have to care outside of just uh, whatever inherent fear of heights we might have, which i got to tell you, the last 10, 15 minutes of that movie, my pompous were sitting the entire time. Heights terrify me. Um, but outside of that, of whatever visceral reaction we might have, we also have to have some type of emotional involvement in why do we care that he's scaling this building? Why do we care that he's going, um, you know, that he's actually physically climbing 12 uh, floors up on the outside of a building to, to get to this top? Why is he doing that? We, we have to care about that. And we do care about that because of um, how well Harold Lloyd writes, uh, not just the character, but what he, what he wants. And, 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 and it's quite similar to uh, to Girl Shy, or I should say Girl Shy is going to be quite similar to um, uh, Safety Last. And it, it gets back to the thing of there, it's a small town boy, a, a poor small town boy, who 
wants to go to the big city, who wants to make it, who who wants to be financially successful because he wants a woman to be in love with him or he wants to prove to himself that he is worthy of this woman's love. He and 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 there it's tied into money, it's tied into identity uh, or identity of an of an occupation of what he's doing in the in this world. Um, and uh, the fact that this character, that both characters feel they have to lie about who they are in order to be worthy of uh, of another person's love. Um, in Girlshy, he was, you know, he lied about being um, not just a Casanova, but then also lied that he was going to be a, a, a successful author one day. And in uh, here in Safety Last, he he lies that he is. Um, I, I don't think they discuss the, the position specifically, but that he is basically a bigwig um, at this uh, department store working in, uh, in, in fashion or clothing, basically. Um, and um, the fact that there is sort of this um, part of the, the forward progression of the narrative in this is, is, is uh, or, or comes out of this idea of having to perpetuate the illusion that he is this person that he said he is. Um, I was reminded of... Uh, Ben Kingsley in um, Brad Anderson's Trans-Siberian, which is a, a, f- a fantastic thriller from about 2008. Um, ben Kingsley is the bad guy in the movie, and he has this line uh, that's something to the effect of, uh, with lies we can move ahead in, in life, but we can never go back. <laughs> and um, I was reminded of that in watching this movie because of just um, how he kept putting himself in these absurd situations because he had to maintain this illusion of this uh, to this woman that he is the successful businessman. You know, he had to somehow, you know, he had to order his his coworkers around, um, which was a behavior that we can see just based on their facial expressions. This is something he never done before. Um, he had to sneak into the general manager's office and pretend it was his. Um, and then when the ma- general manager came back, he had to uh, fake a reason that he was there. Um, and then basically, you know, it, it's this thing of he... he the narrative keeps getting moved forward because he keeps having to push this lie of, of who he is. And, um, and it's interesting to me that, that both of these films, the, the, the lie is perpetuated by um, being tied up in uh, a desire for money or at least not in a, in a greedy capitalistic way, but at least more in the sense of, of not having any. It's not even that he doesn't have enough. He doesn't have any, and he needs some, and he needs this, this money to feel like he has value um and clearly that was not a, a biographical or an autobiographical thing because harold lloyd was a, a a wealthy filmmaker he outgrossed as a as we talked about in the introductory episode both charlie chaplin uh, and buster keaton um and both of these movies came out years before the great depression so it's not as though this was something that was um necessarily at the forefront of american people's minds all the time but i also do think that um you know certainly uh, the 1920s were a time of, of uh, the rise of robber barons in America, and certainly, um, you know, the idea of the haves and have-nots uh, is not a new concept for the American population. So, Harold Lloyd being able to tap into this idea of the everyman character, I think, gets back to that thing that Tyler and I were talking about of of his character really resonating with a wider audience of of a mass audience of this thing of of um, well, I, you know, I, I, I should, rather than stumble upon my words, I'm going to let someone else who is a, who was far smarter than me say it better. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know that I always steal from Roger Ebert because Roger Ebert had this wonderful talent of being able to succinctly um, speak to the themes that I have 
taken entire episodes to bumble around and eventually arrive at. Um, but this is a this is from Roger Ebert's um, great movies entry on Safety Last because it is a great movie. Um, and, and, and this is a point that he, he elaborate or he elaborates on. This is the point that is hitting on that idea that, that I tried to kind of get to in the, in the last episode and that Tyler spoke in, uh, on the introductory episode of a bit about basically what Harold Lloyd or what allowed Harold Lloyd as a, as a, as a actor and as a character, you know, the glasses character specifically, what allowed him to kind of stand out, um, to audiences and also why he is worthy of being, you know, the 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 third one of the big three of, of silent film stars. And I will link to uh, to this review on the Facebook page as well. So here it is. I'm going to read a little bit. I didn't find myself laughing, but I watched in fascination. I don't love the glasses character with the intensity I reserve for Buster and the little tramp, but I was there with him every inch of the way up to that building, and I shared the physical joy of his triumph at the top. I could understand why Lloyd outgrossed Chaplin and Keaton in the 1920s, not because he was funnier or more poignant, but because he was merely mortal and their characters were from another plane of existence. Lloyd is a real man climbing a building. Keaton, as he stands just exactly where a building will not crush him, is an instrument of cosmic fate, and Chaplin is a visitor to our universe from the one that exists in his mind. Um, that's, you know, a, a much better and a much more intelligent way of basically kind of saying Harold Lloyd was... Um, not just with his characters, but with himself and, and every man. And I think that just whether people are sort of conscious of it at the time, it, it's just something which is whether it, it's consciously or subconsciously people respond to. Um, and there is something, especially about that idea of the plight of, um, I want to make something of myself. I want to, to leave a legacy. I want to, I want to make money and I want to be happy and I want to, I want to prove to myself and to this other person that I have some validity and some purpose and some meaning that's something that all of us can relate to, no matter whether we're, um, you know, from this country, from another country, whether we're uh, middle class, lower middle class. This is a, this is something that we can all relate to, that and something that which is is going to be one of those universal truths with a capital T that's going to um, not just cross um, socio political geographical boundaries, but also just um, time boundaries as well. This is always going to be a theme. Um, that is going to be relevant. This is relevant and resonant to us now in 2019, just as much as it was back in 1923 when this film came out. Apologize for the um, uh, recent introduction of uh, pre-war radiator heat. Um, it is under the impression that there's wintry weather outside, which, um, hey, if you consider rain to be wintry weather, cool. It's not nearly as cold as this radiator would have you believe it is. Um, and in fact, despite the fact that it is, it was precipitating um, in some form or some thinly veiled form of snow today, it's going to be back in the 50s uh, tomorrow, or at least by the time you're listening. So it will probably already be 50. So um, that's a roundabout way of saying, sorry for the noise. Um, but of course, we, you know, um, we, we have to spend some time talking about the the scaling of the building because um, this is not just the film's greatest set piece, but it is also um, one of the most iconic um, images in cinematic history. And I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that. Um, this was a I was I was watching this movie with my girlfriend the other day, and uh, I was and when she was asking me to explain or you know to t uh, give a little bit of background on the film before we even watch it, I said, "Well, you're." Um, you've probably been aware of this film even if you've never seen it because, you know, that, that image of the guy hanging off the, the, the 
face of the clock, you know, high, high above the city streets. That's from this movie. She's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. And and this is, I mean, just a little bit of the, of the legacy of this film. I mean, um, the, the Library of Congress added safety last to the National Film Registry um, in 1994. Um, the American Film Institute nominated the film for both um, their 1998 and 2007 list of AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movies, um, and it's number um, 97 on the AFI's 100 Years, 100 Thrills. Um, there is uh, another list. Um, I, I think it may be on, uh, well, anyway, but some other stuff. I mean, also, we talked about this uh, in the introductory episode. Um, Doc Brown hanging off the clock tower in uh, 1985's Back to the Future. That's an homage to this um, you know, to this happening. Um, and then also um, in uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, 2011 film Hugo, which is itself an homage and callback to great classic cinema um, and appreciation of it. Um, there, there's a, a, an homage to that where there's a um, portion of the scene um, of, uh, sorry, um, a portion, you can see a portion of the scene of, of Lloyd um, hanging from the clock uh, when, when, uh, when the characters sneak into um, the movie theater. So it's, it's certainly an iconic shot. And, and it's also so amazing how it's done because, um, I, I, w- I was talking to my girlfriend once again, trying to explain how uh, amazing this was and like, Oh, you know, this is all practical effects, honey. And, you know, um, the, this guy was really doing this because later on, you know, he would also blow some of his fingers off by mistaking like a, a, a bomb for a prop. And then I, actually kind of did my research and I was like no he had already blown off two of his fingers by the time you know years before he was doing this so he was climbing this building or a building facade with only eight fingers total um that's absolutely amazing and um and there's a there's a wonderful um twitter account called silent film gifts um, some of which are just really awesome moments from iconic silent films or great silent films across history and some of them are also um kind of little, well, as a GIF is, a little mini video basically kind of showing a a brief breakdown of how silent film actors achieved some of their iconic shots, such as, I don't know the movie that it's in, but Charlie Chaplin skating around the department store and almost kind of skating backwards and almost kind of falling down through that giant hole. It's not actually a giant hole. It's just a a wonderful, um, elaborate setup of, of... camera and positioning and matte paintings and that kind of stuff arranged in such a way where it seems as a and that's that's the case that happened with um harold lloyd and safety last now what i'm going to I'm, I'm going to read another thing from you and this is just from the imdb trivia for for the film but um my girlfriend actually kind of looked this up because she was so impressed with what was going on that she was curious enough that she wanted to know how this happened so uh once again i'm reading strictly or, or straight from the um imdb um, trivia for Safety Last. So this is how they made Harold Lloyd seemingly scale 12 floors of the exterior of a department store in downtown Los Angeles. A stuntman revealed for the first time in the television documentary Hollywood that Harold Lloyd actually climbed a fake building facade that was constructed over another building's rooftop positioned so the camera angle could capture the street scene below. The stuntman also revealed that he doubled for Lloyd in the long shots of him climbing the building in the distance. Up until then, even the time-life version of Safety Laughs that was aired on PBS contained an opening title declaring that Harold Lloyd climbed the building himself and without the use of stuntman or trick photography. 
The stuntman chose to suppress his information until Lloyd's death, and yet he did not want to detract from the danger of Lloyd's actual stunt work. Lloyd performed the majority of the stunts himself on the rigged facade over a small platform which was built near the rooftop's edge and still had to be raised a great height to get the proper street perspective for the camera. The size of the platform did not offer much of a safety net, and had Lloyd fallen, there was the risk he could have tumbled off the platform. And I believe before they actually shot it, they dropped a dummy off the off the uh, the facade that he had onto the platform, and the dummy actually fell down and bounced um, and um, fell to the street below. So there was a real danger of Lloyd um, getting hurt while doing this. I mean, I don't read that to to demythologize this or to deconstruct it or to make you less appreciative of what he did. I mean, sure, he didn't actually climb uh, twelve um, twelve. Uh, stories or, 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 or floors out on this outside building, I don't say that to make it seem less impressive. I, if anything, I say this to kind of make it more impressive because even though he wasn't scaling it, he was using technology available to him in 1923 to make it seem like he was scaling it. And if I hadn't seen that GIF, if I hadn't read this stuff, and the GIF I'll, I'll also post on, on the, uh, the, the I Do Movies Badly Facebook page, is, it's so wonderful. It's so amazing and, and such a, a brilliant showcase of ingenuity of the kind of creativity that these early filmmakers were able to achieve working within their technological constraints. I mean, it's obvious to us all. There was no, you know, computer graphics. There was none of that, uh, that kind of, um, you know, green screen or kind of technology that we could use to kind of fake it. I mean, sure, once again, he wasn't climbing the, t- the side of a building, but he was still, I mean, at risk isn't, isn't the important part. It's not as though that, that putting himself in, in physical, uh, in, in, the, in the, the way of potential physical harm makes this more impressive. What makes it impressive to me is the same thing that makes John Carpenter's The Thing from 1980 so impressive, um, is the fact that he was using what was available to him to add an element of verisimilitude to the story that he was trying to tell. That um, I, I don't care if it's fake. I don't care if he's not actually at risk of falling. It's not the danger which is wonderful to me. What's wonderful to me is the re- is the illusion of reality he creates with or, or using the technology that he had available to him. Um, I mean, you know... I, I'm not the kind of guy that um, once I, I see how a magic uh, a magic trick is done, or once I see how um, uh, you know something, you know how the sausage is made, basically that I start to that I don't appreciate it anymore. You know, if anything, I I, I I appreciate it even more than did before because I love and respect the process of what went into creating this thing. I, I love the fact that you know there was a story of hey. I, I don't know what the script for Safety Last would have looked like or what if it just was an idea or anything, but he sort of, like, these filmmakers and Harold Lloyd kind of approach this idea of, I need my guy to scale the side of a building. I'm not going to be able to do it, but I need the people to believe that I have climbed this building 12 floors up. How can I do it? And how can I do it with... This camera, this fake facade—it's just—it's—it's a—it's—it's ah, it's an exciting wonder of problem solving and of ingenuity to me, and I, and I, I have found it so incredibly fascinating. Um, and I think also that's one of these reasons why this film 
survives for, you know, well, over, well, eh, no, no, hang on, let me do math. Yeah, over 90 years later, holy shit, almost 100 years later now, um, that this movie still, you know, has such iconic imagery that it is staying within the cultural lexicon, that we're still talking about this um, in 2019, because it is a fine example of cinema, of what cinema is able to do better than a book, or better than a painting, or better than uh, well, I, I can't necessarily say TV because TV has come a long way and certainly in 1923 TV was not a thing. Um, but basically the, an early example of like the magic of movies, you know, uh, the, the, the wonderful, whether it's escapism or whether it's an illusion or whether it's, um, just whatever washes over you that, that makes cinema kind of feel so magical and feel so wonderful and feel so special, um, because of how it utilizes its technology to kind of bring us into a more fantastic world. I, I think it's it's wonderful and it, and it's funny and, and and it is once again hearkening back to the conversation Tyler and I had. It's something which is worth studying and still worth talking about. Not even as here's you know uh, a, a a you know an important um, or not even important, but here's a um, here's a historical object. It's a creative object. It's something that's still worth studying, that's still worth revisiting, that's still worth admiring. Um, it is a great film, um, and I'm glad to have watched it. Um, this is something, unlike Girls, I will probably watch again or probably even recommend to people um, if I have uh, the, 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 the podium or the platform um, outside of this podcast. This is something I would, I would gladly revisit and gladly recommend to people. Um, it is... Um, Easy to get your hands on, too. Uh, it is available for both rental and purchase on both Amazon and iTunes. Or if you have a Canopy subscription, um, you can uh, watch it there for free as well. So um, that'll be it for Safety Last. I, I always encourage you to, to reach out whether you have any questions, comments, or concerns. You can reach me at badly at gmail.com. Tweet at me at Nolan Fixes Teeth. If you want to catch up on back episodes of I Do Movies Badly, you can do that at idomoviesbadly.podbean.com. You can find me on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts, or you can uh, chime in and be part of the conversation if you go to battleshipretention.com, find I Do Movies Badly in the podcast drop-down menu, and there uh, you'll be able to chime in uh, in the comments field. I don't get many of them, but I always try to respond um, as quickly and as enthusiastically as I possibly can, so... That does it for uh, Safety Last. Be sure to tune in next week. I will be wrapping up Harold Lloyd, uh, wrapping up the month of February uh, with um, Harold Lloyd's The Freshman. Um, And I don't know if he is listening to this episode, um, but if he is, happy birthday, Tyler Smith. Um, uh, That's, you know, by, by the time this episode goes up, it will not be his birthday. But if I say it now... I can get away with it if I forget to say it later on. But um, if you are friends with Tyler Smith, uh, whether it be on Facebook or on Twitter or just even, um, you know, through Battleship Retention, um, be sure to wish him uh, an early happy birthday because I'm sure he will appreciate it. Um, And it is actually, um, funnily enough, my birthday coming up this weekend, February 24th. So happy birthday to me as well. Yeah, so um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, be sure to tune in next week uh, where I'll be... Uh, wrapping up Harold Lloyd Month with the freshmen, and where hopefully I will be just a little bit less ignorant.
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.